This is former World Wrestling Federation superstar Duke the Dumpster Drosy, and you are listening to BBGWrestling.com. It's time to take out the trash. And welcome to another edition of Turnchuckle on BBGWrestling.com. I am Pablo, and with me is a wrestler who, for me, defined the new generation period and beyond. He is just as important to me as any wrestler who was there at the time, and I am a huge, huge fan of his. I have with me Mark Canterbury, a.k.a. Henry Godwin. Hello. Hey, Pablo. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Um, I'm currently dying in the heat. Um I don't I don't climatize very well as you can tell by my tan or lack of tan I just die in any kind of sunlight um so how are you doing you okay yeah it's a little hot here a little rainy been uh up fooling with the pigs this morning and this afternoon so I'm ready for a little break see that's that's the thing you know talk about living the gimmick so were you always working with pigs like did you live on a like a pig farm before the henry godwin thing because i was like in terms of commitment to the uh, the character it's uh wonderful yeah uh i've been doing this since i was little so i, I lived the gimmick you know it's it's a shoot it's not a gimmick so still doing it was it one of those things that when you met um Eva Vince or Bruce Pritchard or whoever it was, they kind of, it was an obvious, easy character to give to you at the time. Cause I guess they asked questions about your interests and hobbies and it just kind of made sense. Yeah. When I left uh, WCW, um, I went and had a meeting with Vince and JJ Dillon in Vince's little kayfabe office. So it was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, he asked me, what I like to do, you know, hunting and fishing and farming. And then I worked on a psych floor at a hospital for a long time too. So I threw all that out there and then he goes, well, what do you do? What kind of farming? Because he's from, he went to, he's, he's a Ridge runner too. He's really a country boy. So, uh, yeah, he really took interest to the, uh, hogs and stuff. So he goes, well, what do you do with the hogs? I said, well, you know, slop them feed them butcher them they waller in mud and so a light bulb went off in his head so the rest is history <laughs> I, I love the idea and i've said this to people as a joke because you debuted around the time of mantor and mantor quickly disappeared so i like to think he ended up on your farm and you turned them into sausages uh he's he was fertilized actually <laughs> <laughs> See, it's an easy, easy tag team, you see. Um, I'm always kind of intrigued when so a wrestler doesn't wear traditional ring gear. Um, were they, for the better, for the lack of a better term, working overalls? They weren't like, so you didn't just go to the store and buy them. They were made to comfortably wrestle in, I guess. No, they were <laughs> straight off the rack from Oshbegosh, a, a store here. And, uh, I would pick them up when I'd come home to Tennessee and uh, I'd pick me a pair up and Phineas a pair and uh, 
So we always wore, always wore the Ashbagash. It said right there on the. So it was pick them up anywhere. <laughs> How about the boots? Were they because they looked like steel toe, um, real boots? They were soft. Uh, Walmart boots got them at Walmart, and I still have the same boots they made it they survived the hog pen match with me and triple h and i was thinking this past week i'm gonna try to get a hold of him send him the boots let him sign them i'm gonna sign them and then maybe we'll see if we can donate them or if somebody wants to put them you know somewhere so i'm gonna try to do that here pretty soon Oh, that would be wonderful. So how early on, because um, we're going to kind of jump about, I don't really like doing stuff uh, chronologically. I like kind of jumping about um, with with topics. Um, um, uh, with with the hog pen, how early on did you know that Triple H had, had that big scar on his back? Because the blood that was coming, how he didn't get an infection <laughs> is insane. That's That's what we said. I still say that. I don't know how in the hell he didn't come up with some freaking new hog disease or something but uh you know i didn't know he was cut that bad till we got back to the back mm. and uh you know because i i had pressed him over my head at the end and slammed him in that mud and all the you know there was a a lot of shit in there too because they had been there all day yeah and uh i thought he would get staff or something but uh i always tease him i tell him i scarred him for life literally and uh we had fun that was a hell of a match when we got to the back vince was waiting on us and he had this big grin on his face and it was sincere he said i cannot believe you guys pulled that off he said that was that's going to be the best match of the night so when when your boss when vince tells you that and he let me and hunter come up he said we're going to have a hog pin match it's going to be hogs it's going to be you know 50 70 feet from the ring uh you guys come up with the match so me and me and hunter came up with the whole match all the spots everything and vince was pretty pleased and i was too how how quickly did his mood change when he opened his office door and found the hogs in the office <laughs> yeah that was a <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were there all day they made a big mess but it was well worth it i was in hershey park pennsylvania it was. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing Vince took a rib quite well and played his fair share of ribs as well. Because there is a photograph in the magazine of Vince chasing them out of his office as well. And uh, he did have a big grin on his face. So, you know, it's pretty. Inv- Wasn't it Owen and Davey who did that? Probably. Them two. <laughs> Freaking frack. Them two, man. I swear. Rib, rib kings. Yeah, just a bit. So uh, did, did it make the match easier having Hillbilly Jim as the referee? I mean, how early was that conceived? That was going to be part of it um, because I think, you know, Phineas was working out his stuff and then he, he came up like a year after I did and they put us together. And, and I think that was the whole thing with Hillbilly Jim. They wanted us all together. So why did it take so long for Phineas to show up? Was his WCW contract longer or? Uh, no, he had some personal stuff he had to work out and they wanted him to get straight before he come up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you remember this, but 
the week before Phineas came in, it was um, on commentary, Vince says that Henry was going to bring in his brother, but it quickly ch- changed to cousin. Um, yeah. So I'm guessing it was because there were no vignettes for, fin- uh, for Phineas coming in or anything like that. Yeah, I think he was brought in for the tag title tournament leading up to WrestleMania 12. Um, so how early on did you know that he was going to become it? Was it as early as the Hogpen match when, when Hillbilly Jim was brought on? You know, I think I think it was as far as I can remember it. Things run together with me anymore. There's you know thirty years of wrestling built up in my head, and I I try to characterize everything, and but it it's hard. It runs together. But I think that was about the time the hog pin match when they were because he had come up and had a dark match, and I think they were interested. And you know, of course, I was always putting little bites in their ear, you know, about bringing him in. So, mm. but we, he came up, we picked up right where we left off from the old WCW days, the Texan Shanghai. So it was good. Yeah. One thing I love about the the tag team division in 96, because usually there would be the, the tag team champions and then maybe a number one contender, but in 96, it really felt like there was a division with story. And Sonny was in the center of all of this, but it really made the tag division something to watch. Um, and I think one of the early matches that you guys had was against the uh, the new Rockers and uh, your your Basset Hound uh, took a shit in the, in the ring. Do you remember this? And was this the only time this happened? I'm guessing not. <laughs> I think it happened twice, but that was on TV. That was live TV. And I remember we were laughing so hard in the corner and the crowd was laughing. It was a packed house. And I remember going over and taking my boot and trying to kick it out of the ring. And it was a little too wet and it smeared. So we all, we all just busted out laughing, but it was, you know, it's little things like that that make it wrestling. (laughs) I've spoken to Dennis as well. And he said that dog was old. Like, where did you get the, the Basset Hound from? Do you remember his name? No, I don't. But we would have people that would bring like a pet. You know, it was some, it was a farmer's pet. And we've had goats and we've had a bunch of pigs. And uh, I got to say one thing. We used to, we used to have little pigs all the time when uh-huh. we were doing our interviews with Billy. And them things, we would hold them up to Hillbilly and they would start nipping at him during our interviews. So we had a lot of fun with the pigs and Hillbilly. Hillbilly's a great guy. Yeah. Were, were there any animals that were brought in and you thought, no, this is too silly. <laughs> we, we can't bring out a, you know, a sheep or <laughs> no, no sheep, but uh, just usually pigs. We had a couple dogs. I think we had a goat one time, but yeah, it was always fun working with the animals. Yeah. And, and you were trained um, you were trained by George South and uh, Gary Sabo. So did you get to wrestle them when you made it into, well, in WCW as well? Because I know they wrestled a lot uh, as preliminary talent in WCW and WWF during that time. So did you get to wrestle them? Yeah, I did in both places. And uh, yeah, I talked to George quite often and we're talking about having a retirement match and I, you know, I always tell him, I said, I, I started with you 30 years ago and I want to end my career with you. So we may have a retirement match coming up here soon. Oh, does, does it, I mean, it doesn't shock me because he was always great, but I mean, the, the fact that he's still going. Um, 
is I mean, I'm guessing not much shocks you in wrestling now, but is is that a sort of a shocker that he's outlasted just about everyone from that time? Yeah, he has. I mean, he's still doing, uh, still running shows. I was on a show in North Carolina not too long, a couple months ago, and he was supposed to be there that night, but he was elsewhere, so he couldn't make the show I was at. But he's still going, selling gimmicks and hustling. Looks exactly the same as well. He hasn't aged. Just old and grumpier now. <laughs> as we all are. So, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> um, so when Phineas was brought in and, and you have the you have the free-for-all match at WrestleMania 12 and uh, it's the tag team title finals against the Body Donners, um, was there any disappointment that it wasn't on the main show or was it seen as, or was it sold to you guys as, you know, it's your job to now sell the event because it's on the pre-show? Yeah, uh, of course, you know, come back and we were in WrestleMania 13. But I, I loved working with uh, Dr. Tom and Chris. Uh, Sonny could be good to work with, but she could also be difficult to work with. And uh, of course, I know you know she got slopped. And <laughs> I have the magazine cover. Yeah, and I've spoken to. Um, I got that at the time, and I've spoken to Dennis, and he says he has it framed on as well as as he should because it's a great cover. And there's a lot of history in that that particular bucket of slop. I don't know if you knew that, but quite a bit. What I've was heard, in the slop? Well, I've I've heard stories. It, like depending on if you like the person or not, there there may be something nefarious in the slop. Yeah, there was uh, there was quite a bit of stuff in there. <laughs> we'll go no further. So that's the thing. I don't want the the lawyers at the door. So you know. Yeah. Thank, well, I'll say thanks to Razor, X-Pac, and Dr. Tom Pritchard. <laughs> slop. Um, so being from the UK, you know, I mean, you, you know, you've seen it a million times, that famous picture of you guys on the back of the tour bus, um, you know, playing cards and Paul Bear is in there, Jerry Briscoe, yourself, Nash, Austin's in there. It's such a cross section of, talent because Austin and Nash and Hall kind of passed like ships in the night when they were in WWF. There wasn't much crossover period. Um, was that on a European um, on, on a European trip? And are there any stories that you can tell us that you can legally... Because <laughs> I've heard the European tours were pretty wild. Well, I could... Yeah, I got a lot of stories about that. But uh, one that sticks out of my mind is uh, we were in Germany. And, uh, you know, we always had the heel bus and the baby bus. And so uh, we had caterers there, of course. So when we were done, you know, when we were done eating, we would go get ready for the show. They would uh, fix our meals. You tell them what you want. They put it in a little tin, put a cover on it. And when the show's over, you go pick your food, up, go back to the hotel and eat. So Sonny was being her uh, whiny little crybaby self over there on that tour. And uh, so X-Pac and Razor find her dish that has her name on it. It's got her food already in it. They get it, take it to the bathroom, put a a couple (laughs) of logs, take the food out, put a couple logs in there, cover it back up, put the tin on it, 
the cover, when she gets to her room, she opens that up and that smell hits her. Oh. She starts crying, runs to Briscoe's, Jerry Briscoe's room, telling him what happened. She goes home the next day. We finished the tour. So that's one of the stories of the European tour. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing as well that you were, because, you know, I know some of the countries that you went to and you are allowed to do things that you're not necessarily allowed to do in America as well. Um, yeah, I'm telling you, they, they would have done that in Madison Square Garden and wouldn't have thought twice about it. <laughs> well, speaking of MSG, I interviewed um, the, the, uh, the guy who filmed the curtain call um and I, uh, uh, just a couple of days ago and that's may 19th 1996 which is notable for that but it's also very much notable for the tag title win uh, the first godwin's tag team title win um now you didn't have the titles for long that first time but was it i mean winning it in madison square garden must have been incredible um so how were you told right beforehand or were you like sort of building up to that point i think it it was just a few days before the show they told us you know we're going to drop the belts to you guys and i thought it was cool we had them for like two weeks i think but uh what what an iconic place to win the wwf tag team belts in madison square garden with the fire marshal raising hell because there's too many people and so it was it was a sold out it was packed i still remember it and I remember I always wore the John Deere hat. So as soon as we won, Hillbilly jumped in. I threw my hat as far as I could. I was so excited. Six months later, we were up there doing a signing. The boy that caught my hat brought it to me that day, and I signed it like six months later. But I knew it was my hat because I had put a mark on it. So, yeah, it was it was a great night that night. Oh, that's amazing. That is really cool. So, I mean, with that night, and I mean, because obviously I want to talk to you about your career specifically, um, with it being the night of the curtain call, were you already out of the arena by the time that happened? And, or were you there for the, for the... I was there, I was back, and I didn't know about it till after the fact. But yeah, I was there that night. So, I mean, people like uh, Bruce Pritchard and Jim Cornette were specifically very much against it. And I think Jerry Briscoe as well. Um, where did you stand on that? I mean, with, with the BSK, because, you know, uh, I guess you guys are definitely more no-nonsense, but also, I guess, I, I, mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing more traditionalists when it comes to the wrestling business. So I'm guessing yeah. that if it was you guys leaving, I'm guessing the BSK would not do that in the middle of the ring. No, we wouldn't. Mm -hmm. No. So do you feel that uh, the, because I, I know you're friends with Hunter and I know he's talked about it a million times since then, but do you feel that the punishment was probably deserved that he didn't win King of the Ring that year? And Yeah, I guess as far as, you know, as professionalism, I guess, it didn't really bother me, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, I know some, yeah, I know some people were upset about it. Yeah. Um, to say that, I mean, it still splits opinion now. And uh, the uh, the guy who I filmed, uh, the guy who I recorded uh, for the interview who filmed the curtain call, uh, you know, he still gets, you know, uh, angry messages. And, you know, you know how outspoken Jim Cornette is. He said something really not friendly about him and stuff like that. 
<laughs> so yeah, no, it's uh, certainly a night that changed wrestling completely. Like Cornette, uh, like Cornette, he's straightforward, you know, very professional and really cares about the business. When you got people that are that smart about the business and they get upset, then I don't know, you really got to look at it. But like I say, it it is what it is and make the best of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you, you won the tag titles that night, and okay, you lost them uh, a couple of weeks later at uh, Beware of Dog. Beware of Dog was the night that the lights went out. Um, so, what do you? You know, you lost it again on the on the pre-show, but it really, you know, built up the feud between you guys and the Smoking Guns, and again, Sonny being in the center of that, bringing a lot of attention. Uh, from you know outside fans bringing in new fans because of how she looks and everything as well. Um, I mean, most downloaded uh, celebrity on AOL that year uh, to show you the kind of eyes that she was bringing into WWF at that time. Um, so, what do you remember about the night the lights went out? That I mean, because that just seemed like a nightmare for everyone involved. <laughs> I don't remember a lot about it, but. I, I do remember working, you know, that little angle with Sonny and the smoking guns. And of course that, and she got slopped on, I think it was on raw. I think. Yeah. I believe it was. Superstars. I could be wrong on that. Don't quote it me. It could have been. I yeah. know it was one of the shows, but like I say, everything sort of runs together anymore, but uh, I enjoyed working with Billy and Bart and Sonny was pretty decent through that, through that little, you know, program we had with them but i i don't remember a whole lot about the lights going to be honest with the light matt going off that night that's the thing and i do realize that i'm asking very niche questions about something that happened 25 years ago as well so like i totally get you know i can't remember half of what happened 25 years ago so um but i mean with regards to sunny you know current situation aside and everything she's so talented and she really offered a lot in terms of making, in my opinion, WWF very contemporary with her personality, uh, with her, you know, sexiness, with the photo shoots that she did and everything as well. And it can't be understated, I think, what she uh, what she brought to WWF at that time. Um, because 1996 was a year of many over-the-top characters. I mean, you had Who, you had The Goon. Um, this is when they were bringing in a lot of uh, really good workers, but insisting on putting a gimmick on them like Salvatore Sincere and stuff like that. Um, do you, did you, but at the same time, you had Steve Austin, you had, you know, um, you had you guys, you had, I, I hate to say characters, I guess gimmicks or wrestlers that had a lot of uh, uh, longevity to them as well. Um, so did you see when people like Mick Foley and Steve Austin were coming in that they were kind of going to carry the company going forward at that point. Yeah. I, I knew, uh, after, after Steve got squared away, I knew he was going to be successful. And, and Mick, I mean, we were, we were with him in WCW. I was just watching. I seen a picture of Dewey, his son, so me and Rick Rude and and Dennis and Van Hammer <laughs> went to Cactus's house about 30 minutes from us. We were in Marietta. Me and Phineas lived together. And we went to Dewey's one-year-old birthday party. And it was me, 
Phineas, Rude, and Van Hammer, and of course, Cactus and his family. But we still talk about that. And uh, yeah, I knew he was, he's a great guy, mankind. And I was with him in uh, Survivor Series when I was down for Taker's Farewell. So it was good seeing, I got to see a lot of guys I haven't seen in forever. So it was nice. I certainly want to um, talk about that as well. I mean, you and um, Mick had a match on pay-per-view at uh, Cold Day in Hell, I believe. Um, was, and that, was that 15? It was, no, it uh, wasn't. It was, no, I tell a lie. It was in your house nine, International Insta. It was in Canada um, because yeah. you, you took over Jake the Snake. And I have a feeling yeah. that, uh, that Jake probably wasn't allowed to travel to Canada. Is that what? Is that why uh, you kind of took his place? Yeah, we. He was way out of hand. I don't know what. I can't remember what why he didn't show up. It could have been because his track record wasn't good. But uh, yeah, they told me they said, uh, "Yeah, you're gonna. You don't mind working uh, cactus tonight?" And I said, "No, was, that's a night off." But. Uh, yeah, we we had a pretty good little match, and uh, I remember him. We, we pulled the mat off the floor and slammed him right on the floor. So he's old mankind's pretty hardcore. And it it was a great um, kind of. I mean, he had already beaten the Undertaker by this point, but beating someone who yourself, former tag team champion, someone of your size, someone who can really give mankind a run for his money, really helped him. Yeah. Um, I would say, and I think it probably helped him better than a match against Jake the Snake, who was, you know, his character was that he was past his prime at that point. Whether he was or not is another story, but that was his character, that he was religious and stuff, and it probably wouldn't have seemed like as impressive of a victory, but I, you know, implore anyone to check out that match, because if you want just two big, tough bastards beating each other up (laughs) for a while, um, you know, it's, it's a great match. I'll tell you a match you need to watch. Me and Phineas did a signing up in Minnesota last month, and he pulled up a couple matches. It's, I think it was one of them show Monday Night Raw or one of the other shows. It was me and Phineas against Mankind and Vader. We took a lot in that match. I mean, I slammed Vader, and I mean, it was, you need to watch it. It was pretty daggone good. But just four guys beating a piss out of each other. People like seeing that when you know. <laughs> I, I can imagine. I mean, you the, there are a lot of uh, great Godwin's tag matches. There's a one of uh, I believe it's you against Owen and Bulldog on Raw, and uh, there's even one of you against uh, Fake Razor and Diesel on Raw. But great matches. You know, it, it just yeah. shows you even if the and I, I interviewed Rick Titan um, a long time ago, like probably about two years before he uh, passed, and um, you know he had nothing but good things to say about his time in the company. You know, in terms of who he was working with, and uh, your name came up as well. And uh, yeah, someone who's definitely sadly missed. And it was it really was an honor to get to get to chat with him. Um, so with someone. Yeah like Rick Titan, you know, who, you know, made his name in Canada, made his name in Japan. If they're gone from WWF, it, is that kind of before the conventions uh, started coming up, was that the last time that you would see a lot of those guys? Yeah. Cause you know, I broke my neck in 
98. And then, uh, I was, I was done. They let me go in 99. I went back in 06 and 07 for a little bit, but physically and mentally, I wouldn't, you know, I just, I'd lost my son. I lost my dad in 03. Um, so it was a little, it was difficult, but I mean, I'm in better shape and to be honest. But that's, um, that's great to hear. I mean, the, um, the, the neck break in 98, I'm guessing the, doomsday device certainly must have been the start of that i'm guessing your neck was very weak um, yeah which led to the 98 uh i mean god if people haven't seen it i don't think i've seen i mean you were probably the biggest guy to take a doomsday device and the were anytime you see say legion of doom against money inc like teddy biasi they don't lose by the doomsday device and i think they probably said to them look i ain't taking that move um had you taken the doomsday much before then, or was that the first time? I had never taken it. Um, and I, I can tell this now rest. I mean, God rest her soul. I love both of them, Hawk and animal, but, um, Hawk wasn't in good shape that night. And I didn't want to stooge him out to the office. I just went, we went to the office, the, the agents, it was, uh, uh, black, uh, Oh God, Blackjack. Alanda. And yeah, Blackjack Lanza. And I forget who else uh, was the agent, but we had talked to them. And I think Bruce Pritchard was there. And I said, you know, I, I knew Hawk wasn't in good shape. And uh, I said, I just don't feel comfortable doing this. I've never taken it. And Phineas spoke up and said, well, I've taken it before. I'll do it. And they said, well, the office wants henry to take it so they animal spoke up said well we can just do the whole thing where me and animal would go down together like the electric chair and uh they said no they want the flip so i said okay so i went out there and did it and sure enough broke my neck so were there plans to turn you guys heel at that point anyway or was it as a result of the neck because once someone breaks your neck there's a ready-made angle i guess but um so was that kind of the the immediate plan after that yeah because it was set up perfect you know and i was that was in binghamton new york that night and i went to the hospital they took me to the hospital i walked to the back laid down on the concrete concrete floor and they wanted me to lay on that cold floor to try to keep the swelling down. And I said, yeah, I think I'm okay. I was doing my neck. I think I just pulled a muscle. I had pieces of teeth in my mouth. And, oh. and uh, Vince and Briscoe come over to see me at the hospital and asked how I was doing. And, you know, the doctor was explaining what happened. I had a cracked C7. He said, go home for about 14 weeks and just relax and ice and, then go have another MRI done. Well, dumbass me, I sit at the house for six weeks. I'm back on the road. Uh, Vince has got a trainer with me, you know, working on me every night before and after the show. And I wrestled about seven weeks with a broken neck. And we were supposed to get the title again and badass Billy Gunn. That was in September. Yeah. 
And uh, I was having so much pain and trouble. Vince said, well, why don't you go home and, you know, find out what's going on. And I had to have spinal fusion done. And then I got let go after that. So that's what happened. It didn't even feel that you were out that long after the doomsday. Um, it, it, so, you know, for someone who had a broken neck, you certainly weren't out probably long enough. I mean, I, I'm not telling you anything you probably don't already know. Um, yeah, so, you know, the, the thing is, when you turned heel, for me, you were one of the more convincing heels because the I loved the subtext of the Godwins turning heel that you were angry at the company because you would always shout at Vince on commentary or you would shout at Jim Ross. And um, there was a time when uh, Billy Gunn used a brick uh, to beat you guys and you slammed the brick off the announcer's table and the brick went flying. Jim Ross had to duck. pissed a little. <laughs> as a sort of closer to part one, because again, there's so much more that we're going to, we're going to get into um, in terms of merchandise. Now you had action figures, um, what was the process behind that? Because this was pre-real scan before they started scanning everyone's faces and everything. Like, were you happy with uh, how they looked? And, uh, you know, do you feel that there was enough Godwin's merchandise? I'm going to guess you're going to say no. There should have been more. <laughs> uh, well, action figures really did good, uh, especially back then, you know, 20-some years ago, we had the uh, action figures that had the Confederate shirt which now, you know, they, they're not going to push anything like that. Uh, but when you live in the South and you appreciate our, our background, you know, it's, it's history. You got to learn from it. You can't wipe it out. You can't wipe it out. It's done happen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they still fly Confederate flags down here and it's just part of our nature. It's part of the territory and it doesn't mean it's not hate. It's, uh, just, you know, our Southern heritage, our Southern hospitality. Uh, we don't care what color you are down here. Just as long as you're good to us, we'll be good to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, since then, you know, Michael Hayes wore the Confederate robe and they made a Michael Hayes action figure, but they had to take the bars off him, the blue bars. So it's just stars on a red uh, background. Yeah. So I guess that's a, 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 a symptom of becoming a publicly traded company. <laughs> That you probably yeah. can't, you know, offend. Uh, you can't offend people, I guess. Um, so the um, with the Godwins uh, by sort of WrestleMania, because I think WrestleMania fourteen may have been the Godwins' last appearance in the Battle Royal. Um, was the kind of a right? We're going to take you off TV for a little bit and then repackage you as Southern Justice. How early on was were those talks? Uh, you know, I, I honestly don't remember, but. I do remember them because the second time we won the tag team belts, uh, Vince Russo, uh, who's a city slicker and doesn't understand, for instance, our Southern heritage, you know, he thought we were too gimmicky with the overalls, but I said, Vince, why don't you come down where I live and see people walking around every day around the little town farmers wearing overalls that's all people wear down here so i said it's it's not a hoax it's not a gimmick it's a shoot you know come to the country i know you're stuck in the city all the time in the concrete jungle but you get down where we live and you see some different stuff and that's just you know it's part of our heritage but uh i really like the southern justice thing 
uh, you know, Colonel Parker was our manager for a while, and then Jeff Jared, and we had some good times with Jeff, and uh, so we that's the night we were supposed to get the belts for a third time and they decided not to. That was the last match I had was with Billy Gunn and uh, Road Dog. Well, there's two things I want to uh, go into before we sign off uh, for part one. Um, did you enjoy having Tony Anthony as your manager? Uh, you know, and do you think it lasted long enough? And did he know that you were going to legit break his nose? Because that did not look nice. <laughs> it was an accident. <laughs> it got and, you. Uh, I mean, you know, it made you look like tough bastards, but good Lord, yeah. that looked nasty. Like, <laughs> And I don't know. I guess we just got carried away. Uh, a riot almost started in the crowd. People were ready to kill us that night. Yeah. Nah. But yeah, we had to sneak Tony out of the, put a towel over his head. His nose was bleeding. And we got him in the backseat of the car and we got out of there. But yeah, the police was looking for us and uh, <laughs> half the crowd was looking for us and we scooted right out of there, made it out alive. Well, that's assault, basically. You basically assaulted someone on live, te on live television. <laughs> yeah, broke their nose. <laughs> Yeah, and it was so good, the build-up, because that was the main event of that Raw against Legion of Doom, and they had the career on the line, and it was a great blow-off to the feud as well. Um, yeah. Because that feud took you through the summer of 97 right until the New Age Outlaws, but you were very much involved because you helped helping them win the tag belts and uh, helping them retain it, but then they wouldn't give you a tag title shot, so you were like, you bastards <laughs> you know you screwed us over and uh you know that was part of their character i guess but the um before we sign off uh with the uh the previous season of dark side of the ring covering the brawl for all um that is where you i'm guessing where you broke your neck um for the for the second time or was it was it a little after that no i did i, I broke my neck one time and that was against hawk and animal but i Two months before that brawl for it all, I just had nose surgery. So I didn't really want to do, do it because I'd just come out of surgery. But they talked me into it, and I said, okay, I'll do it. And me and Bradshaw had the fight. I bloodied his nose. He hit me there. I was My face was pins and needles and just really bothered me for about six weeks after that. Luckily, I came out okay, but that – I didn't, it hurt too many of the boys that were involved in it. You know, people got knocked out and uh, there was a couple guys walking around for a couple of days and I'm not so sure it didn't mess with them for longer than that. Yeah. See, I'd always heard that, because that, I know you wrestled after that, but I always heard that that had a, I guess, a long lasting effect. Um, so it's probably not as true as, you know, it, it obviously did have an effect, but not a, it wasn't anything that ended your career or anything like that. And some of the guys, you know, it, you know, Bart won the whole thing and it ended his career after he won. They, yeah. So winner, not really the winner. It, and oh God, I mean, Brackus never showed up ever again. Um, <laughs> um, I don't think, yeah. you, you know, 
he had so many false starts, Brackus. I mean, do you remember anything about Brackus? Was he kind of going to be the next Hogan? Because he's built and, you know, he had the look and everything. But he he lost a few pounds when he started and it, sir, it messed with his head. I mean, mentally, it messed with him. Uh, a lot of the guys, you know, these bodybuilders, pretty boys get out there and then they start losing weight because they got to travel and you got to, you know, do this and do that. Mm. Don't get to eat right. Man. So, uh, yeah, that stuff. I mean, a lot of guys just couldn't couldn't handle the road. So um, what did uh, Darkseid reach out to you for the Brawl for All episode? Because I was really surprised that you weren't asked. Yeah, I didn't even know it was on. We were sitting here watching TV one night, and I flipped it over to the new. I said, this is that new show. And then next thing I know, I'm on there, and Jim Ross is talking about <laughs> So, um, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, the fighting Bradshaw as well. I mean, you know, who, who was going to come off the better for that? You know, did... Uh, um, the thing that I'd heard that was that uh, people didn't want to fight Blackman when uh, kicks were going to be allowed in the brawl for all, um, you know, because obviously we've been a martial arts expert and then apparently they changed the rule uh, so that yeah. everyone Straight could... So yeah, this is uh, part one and I'm very much looking forward to a part two. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface uh, of things that I'm going to uh, grill you with. I want to thank you again and I want to thank everyone for tuning in to part one of uh, my interview with Mark Canterbury. See, the thing is as well, if you say, I always say this, if you say on air that you'll do a part two, that's a verbal contract and I have to hold you to that. Um, <laughs> I like them. I don't mind doing them. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. And thank you to everyone listening to bbgwrestling.com and we will see you all next time. Thank you.